Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, good morning to you guys. So glad that you are here at The Rock of Gainesville in the auditorium. And if you're watching online, we love you guys too. Hey, did you have a good Christmas? Huh? Did you have a good Christmas? Kind of a loaded question, right? Yeah, kind of a loaded question, especially if you're sitting with your family. Uh, but it was a very, very good time to, uh, to be together, and uh, you look fantastic, so it looks like you had a great, great Christmas. Uh, here's what I want to talk about, and I want to thank Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne for the great opportunity to share the word on this last Sunday of 2020. Come on, somebody. Wow. Wow. As we stand on the threshold of another year, 2021. I tell you, when I graduated from high school, I never, ever, ever thought in my life I would see 2021. I actually didn't think I'd see 1976, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, thank God for that. But here we are in 2021. And here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the subject, great gain. Great gain. I I don't know about you guys. I, I believe I can speak for myself and speak for you. But I am ready in 2021 to receive everything the Father has for me, and He's ready for me to receive. Yeah. Amen? I, I, you know, there, there's been some loss on some level. There, there's been probably some loss in some of our lives on some level in 2020. I am ready to get rid of the loss and move into the gain territory. Because here's what the Word tells you and I, that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. And so I want to talk about great gains in our lives as we walk through 2021. Now, I'm going to kind of teach and preach out of a scripture that I've never taught of in 30 years of ministry. I've never come out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And when you see the scripture, if you don't already know it by heart, you're going to say, well, that's kind of odd. That's such a familiar passage of scripture. But in 30 years of ministry, I don't remember, I could be wrong, but I don't remember ever ministering, teaching, preaching out of this particular passage of scripture. And here's what it says. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And you know, when I look at that scripture, here's what I see, guys. I almost see something that could be defined as a formula. One plus one equals two. But in reality, I can't separate godliness and contentment. I can't separate those two characteristics. I can't be content on my spiritual journey without the godly character that he he gives me to possess. I can't be godly and exhibit who he is in my life unless I walk in a spirit of contentment. And so those two really aren't separated. And so what I want to do this morning is bring those two together in your life and my life and make them active so that we can receive the great gains that God has for us in 2021. Godliness with contentment is great gains. Now, let me show you real quickly a picture of 2020 contentment. My wife got a Christmas card from a sweet little fella in her classroom just before Christmas break. And here's what it said. You are the greatest teacher ever so far. (laughs) 
And I love the little fellow to death. He just makes you laugh. But, it, but in reality, it's such a great picture of contentment in 2020. I, I'm doing really good, Pastor Ron, so far. I think everything's going to be all right. Everything's looking pretty good so far. Guys, I want to get rid of the so far out of your life and my life today. I want to get rid of that so far theology that what I know is that everything is good, powerful, right, righteous, because God said it, and everything is good, period, in Jesus' name. And that's what I want us to walk in today. I want to get rid of the so far mentality. Now, what I have found in 2020 is we live in one of two tents. I live in the tent of being content, or I live in the tent of discontentment. And what I find is, is we've got to find ourselves stabilizing ourselves in that tent of being content and satisfied. And you know, that's really what Pastor Ron wants to accomplish today. What I want to accomplish in your life and what I want to accomplish in my life today is I want to get rid of that so far mentality and by the word and by the presence of the Lord, and by the Spirit of God, and by the encouragement of one another, I want us to get out of that tent of discontentment and abide and live in a spirit of contentment that causes us to be satisfied. Mm, I gotta say this, I want to prophetically declare over you a satisfaction in your soul. There is a satisfaction in your soul today, regardless of surroundings, regardless of 2020. Man, Al was up here preaching my message. I just wanted to say, Allison, get off the platform, please. You're saying everything I want to say, but it was true. Because regardless of what comes our way, I can have a satisfaction in my soul and abide in the presence of the Lord and withstand everything that comes down my path and live in the tent of contentment. Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord an ovation of praise. He deserves it. I want to live in the tent of commitment, not contentment. Now, I know that all of us have said, I'm ready to get 2020 over with. Have you said that? Sure you have. I've said it. You said it. Pastor George said it last week from the platform. I want to get 2020 over with. And, and I line up with that. But put yourself in the shoes of Apostle Paul for just a second. He didn't have one 2020. He had 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020. About 12 years in a row, he had 2020s back to back. And in none of his writings do I see this so far mentality. I don't see Paul saying, well, you know, thank you, Thessalonica, everything is good so far. You know what I see in Paul's writings? I see a resolve, I see a resolution. That regardless of what comes my way, I have found the secret of being content in Jesus. I see a resolution, a resolve in his life. And so here's what I see in Philippians chapter 4. Look at what it says. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Now, let's give these guys a break for just a second. They, they were concerned for Paul, but it was hard for them to reach out and help Paul because if they got caught, they were going to jail. So let's don't throw Ephesus, Laodicea, Thessalonica, let's don't throw them under the bus yet because if they got caught helping Paul, they were going to go to jail. So he's saying, I rejoice greatly that you did have a concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, 
but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Come on, somebody. I have learned to be content regardless of the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned, oh man, I love this line right here, guys. Come on now. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, now let me show you how that's originally translated in the, in the Greek New Testament. It says, I can do all things through Christ. Watch this now. I can do all things through Christ who continually puts power in me. Amen. He doesn't just give you a little dab here. He doesn't give you a little dab, will do you? He doesn't give you a little dab here or a little dab there. He continually, it's constantly active, and his willingness to always be putting power in you is evident in your life today. I can do all things because no matter what I'm facing, there is a continuation of his power coming in to my life. So what I understand is when I read that, guys, I don't see a so far theology. I don't see a maybe so theology. I don't see a, well, I hope it happens theology. Again, I see a resolution in Paul's life. I see a resolve that come what may, I have learned the secret of being content. Well, what's the secret? What's the answer to discontentment? I can do all things, verse 11, through Christ who continually puts power in me. You know, I, I can accept all things, verse 11. Here's what it says. I can accept all things. Now, I may not like it. Come on, somebody. I, I may not be happy about it. You know, I may be struggling with it, but I can accept all things because here's what I know. Regardless of what I'm facing, I can live with it because wherever God is, he's going to get me in it and through it by his awesome power. I'm not just going to stay in that, that valley of trouble. You know, I, I, I can accept it. I, I may not like it. That's okay. I may not be excited about it, I can, but I can accept it because wherever I am, God's going to take me through. How many of you know he takes us through the valley of the shadow of death? We don't set up tent there. We don't set that camp up there. I go through the valley of the shadow of troubles. Why? Because I know who I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I can, I, can, I can accept it. I can do all things. Now, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who continually puts power in me. I can do it, guys. You can do it, guys. Now, that doesn't mean that there may not be times that you're kind of tired. Come on. There may be times you're a little weary. There may be times you find yourself in that valley of struggle and what's coming out of you is what's coming out of me a lot of times this year is when is this thing going to end hmm have you said that come on be honest with me have you said it guys if, if, if I would have ever thought that we would still be looking at COVID and coronavirus at the end of 2020 you would have called me crazy 
I would never have believed we'd still be walking through these things that we walked through and, and the, the social unrest and all the upheaval that's going on. I just never saw it. And so sure, there's times that we get tired, but here we go because he continually puts power in me. I don't get weary in well-doing. I keep on struggling. I, I keep on fighting. I keep on throwing those punches, but I get through. And then I can have all things. Whatever it is I'm in need of, I can have all things. I, I may not have it right now. I may not possess it right now, but I'm going to get it, verse 18, because he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I understand that the answer to this contentment is I can accept all things, may not like it, but I'm going to live through it. I can do all things because he's going to continually put power in me and I can have all things because that's the promise. Hear me guys. That's the promise of a covenant keeping God. He's not going to fail and not going to let you down. What he said he's going to do, he's going to do. Why? Because he watches over his word to perform it. Mm, you missed a good place to shout right there. At this very moment, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Come on, somebody. Now, it may not be the whole way through, but right now, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. I can do it. I can do it. I can accept. I can do all things, and I can have all things. All right. How do I live? Let's take this to Monday, because it does preach really good on Sunday. But let's take this to Monday. Let's take this tomorrow morning when our feet hit the floor, and we've got to go into a real world. How do I live out contentment? Number one, honor the source of your provision. Honor the source of your provision. Number one, my source is the Father. Number two, are there are those that God puts in my life to help me receive everything I need. God puts you in my life to give me that little boost. Sometimes it's a spiritual boost. Sometimes it's just a physical boost. Sometimes it's an encouragement boost. But God puts you in my life because I need a little boost every now and then. So I need to honor you. I need to honor the Father, but I need to honor you also. Honor the source of your provision. Your uh, provision. You know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and I thought about this last night as I was kind of reading through this a little bit. And, uh, you know, can I stop right here and say that I'm really not very content right now? Wait, wait a second, aren't you the one preaching? I was sitting around the house reading through my notes by myself because my wife left me for a week. Just a week. She went to Mississippi so to visit her family. So I'm sitting around the house and I'm reading through my notes and I thought about this. One of the things that I find very, very struggling in the days that we're living in, listen to Pastor Ron for just a second. I find myself struggling in the days that we're living in is the spirit of entitlement that's been unleashed on the culture that we live in. I've just never seen it. And you know what? I'm not blaming an age group. I'm not blaming a racial group. I'm not blaming a demographic because the spirit of entitlement that's in operation in America today is a people thing. It's not a person thing. It's a people thing. It is in every age group, every race, every personhood that we can think of. It's rampant across America. And I wonder a lot of times, how did we go? And I told this to someone a couple of weeks ago. How did we get from what Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation in history that went through World War II 
and went through the Great Depression and went through the Korean conflict and went through the crazy 60s and went through the Vietnamese War and went through Watergate and went through the Iran crisis. How did we get from that generation that said, okay, I may not possess it right now, but I'm going to get out and work for it and get what I rightfully deserve because I'm going to labor for it because that's the way you're supposed to do it to an entitlement, entitlement society that says, give me, give me, give me. I want it because I deserve it. What did you do to deserve it? Well, I didn't really do anything, but I deserve it because culture says I deserve it. I think a lot of times, how did we get to that place? I'll tell you how we got there. A lack of that word right there. Number one, honoring God. Number two, honoring everybody that came before us that helped us to have what we possess today. A lack of that right there. And you know what? When I look at that, I understand Paul's writings in Philippians 4 a little bit more because Paul honors God, but he also honors everybody that helped him, even though they may have gone to jail. He helped, I'm sorry, he honored both of them. Look at what it says in Philippians 4. Yes, it was good for you to share in my troubles. How many of you know sometimes it's really good to share in somebody else's troubles? It really is. Why? Pastor Ron, why is it good for me to share in your troubles? Well, it puts things in proper perspective. Maybe my life is not near as bad as I think it is. So sometimes it's good to share in somebody else's troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Now remember, I told you the reason that that may have been the case. If they got caught, they went to jail. So Paul's not beaten up on them. He's just stating a fact. But look at this. Not one shared in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. So what is he doing, guys? Look at the statement of honor. He's honoring God, but he's saying, you know, nobody else, they, they, did, they didn't help either. They could have gone to jail. You could have gone to jail. You looked over the fact that you may have gone to jail and you helped me anyway. Man, I love that. They looked over the fact that they could have gotten a real tight spot and they helped anyway, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid and more than once when I was in need. Not that, watch this now, look at the statement of honor that Paul's about to give here. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Man, I love that statement of honor right there. Hey, thank you for what you gave me, but I'm not expecting it. What I really want is I want for you to be honored. See, it ain't about me, guys. It ain't about you. It's about us walking in a uh, surrounding statement of honor. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. I am amply supplied. I've got everything I need. Really, I've got everything I've always wanted. Just what I always wanted. Hey, come on now. Let's be, let's be honest for just a second. It's Christmas morning and you found yourself having to repent for lying. Because you opened that gift that you, you, you just knew it was that gift you've been waiting for all year. And you opened it. As, as most of you are too young to remember this. 
But do you remember the episode of Andy Griffith where it was Aunt B's birthday? And she wanted that beautiful linen and lace bed jacket. You remember that? Yeah, and Andy gave her a box of mason jars. Just what I always wanted. And if that happened to you over Christmas, I'm sorry, man. Tell me what you need. I'm not going to get it for you, but tell me anyway. Well, how many of you, you found yourself, listen now, listen to Pastor Ron, you all year long, you hinted and you hinted and you hinted and you hinted, you made sure you put the little things on the refrigerator, you did everything you needed to do and you're sitting there Christmas morning and you got that little jewelry box in your hand. This is it. Diamond necklace, diamond ring, beautiful bracelets. This is it. A gift card to Walmart. Just what I always wanted. Just what I always wanted. Or I love this one because this fits around my household. Fits around my son's household even better. But you see this beautiful rectangular box in the corner, men. It's that long, tall rectangular box. And you know it's that three wood you've been wanting. That one that's going to help you hit it down the fairway 350 yards. And a three wood too. Yeah, it's just what you always wanted. It's that beautiful three wood and you open it up and it's a shark steam mop. (laughs) That fits my house pretty well. Just what I always wanted. Look at what Paul says. Not that I desire your gifts. I want you to receive the credit that you rightfully deserve. Here's what he's saying, guys. It's not about me. It's about, number one, honoring God, and number two, honoring you, because you went above and beyond. Even though you couldn't get in trouble, you went above and beyond. So I want more to be credited to your account. Why is that? Here it is right here. Contentment breeds generosity. Contentment breeds generosity. When I live in a spirit of contentment, sure, there may be things that I want. There's nothing wrong with that, guys. Come on. And we're going to talk about that before we finish. There's nothing wrong with wanting a little bit more, especially the more of God. Nothing wrong with desiring more, but here's what should happen in our lives. Contentment should breed generosity. Philippians chapter four, verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. We've quoted this a couple of times. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Let me show you a scripture and a story in Mark chapter 12. There's a wonderful story about a little lady, and you're going to recognize it as soon as you see it. And I love this story, especially the way it kind of flows. And I'm going to set it up as I read it to you. Mark chapter 12, here we go. Jesus sat down at the opposite place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, let me set this up for you for just a second. This is a really big day. I mean, this is a day that was set aside for the population of Jerusalem to come to the temple and put in their offerings into the temple treasury. So when we talk about the size of the crowd, it wasn't just a few people that were kind of sparsely placed in the city streets here or there. This was a big crowd, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And the purpose 
was to come and give your offerings into the temple treasury. And that also was a big deal because this was a chance for you to get recognized by the amount you put in that temple treasury. So they sat around and waited for this day. I'm going to go to that temple treasury and I'm going to put in a really big offering so everybody will see me. So here's Jesus. Now this is what I love, guys. Here's Jesus. Everybody's coming to the temple treasury and they're standing outside the gates and it's getting really, really crowded. Where's Jesus? He's sitting across the street and watching what's going on. And as he sits there, every eye in the place is on him. Why? Because they got to keep their eye on this guy. They've already had their eyes on this guy. This is the guy that says he comes in the name of the Lord. This is the guy that says he is the son of God. This is the guy that's been doing miracles and doing things against Jewish law that already has them kind of wondering about him. And now here comes the day to give the tread temple treasury and he's sitting across the street. So everybody's looking at him, wondering what's going on. Let's read on. Here we go. And he was sitting where they put in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now watch what Jesus does. I love this right here. Calling his disciples to him. Now, everybody's already looking at Jesus. He's sitting across the street when he should be in the temple treasury. Everybody's already looking at him. And now what he does is he calls his disciples to him. Hey, guys, come over here. Hey, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter. You guys, you guys come over here. Now, everybody really is looking at Jesus because he's got this group of hoodlums that's been following him around and now they're all coming together and everybody's wondering what's she going to do what's she about to do is he going to heal the sick is he going to heal a leper is he going to raise a dead daughter is he going to feed us <laughs> what's he about to do so everybody's looking at jesus as he sits on those steps across the street from the temple treasury and here's what jesus says truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in everything and everything she had to live on. When I look at that, guys, it, man, it just moves me in my spirit because look at what Jesus is doing. He's sitting over there looking at the crowd, but he's not pointing to the rich and the ones that are giving out of their abundance. He's pointing to a little lady that gave out of her poverty, and the one that is getting the recognition is that beautiful little lady. Here's why. Generosity helps cultivate an awareness of things that really matter and creates opportunities that make a real difference in the world. Man, when I look at that, what I see is out of that generous spirit, that little lady, hey, Jesus isn't pointing at everybody else. He's pointing at that little lady that gave out of her poverty, out of her generosity. What did she do, guys? Let me ask you a question and think along with Pastor Ron for just a second. The whole city is there. What did she do? Out of her generosity, out of her contented spirit, out of her generous spirit, she impacted her soul, her entire city. She impacted the entire town. Why? Because generosity creates opportunities that make a real difference in the world. How do I live out contentment? Number two, generosity 
understands abundance. Entitlement doesn't understand abundance. Selfishness doesn't understand abundance. Generosity that comes out of a contented spirit, that understands abundance. Look at Philippians chapter four, it says, and my God, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There's an understanding of abundance. My abundance isn't coming out of what I do. My abundance isn't coming out of what I have. My abundance isn't coming out of what I possess. My abundance is coming out of my God, understanding that he will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. I understand abundance because I understand this, guys. Whatever I need, I will receive it whenever I get it and whenever I need it and whenever the timing to receive it is to bring it into my life. My understanding of abundance is this, that I understand that whatever I need, I'm gonna get because my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And when I need a cow, he's gonna give me a cow. Now I'd rather have a side of beef, come on somebody. But whenever I need a cow, he's gonna give me a cow. I may not have a cow right now, but he owns all those cows. So whenever, whenever I need a cow, I'm gonna get a cow. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it, but I'm gonna get a cow, but I, I'm gonna get it whenever I need it. Entitlement says, I don't wanna to wait to get it, I want it right now. Selfishness says, I don't wanna to wait to get it, I want it right now. Understanding abundance says, whenever I need it, God is going to give it to me. And entitlement says, no, I want it right now. Well, let me give you a principle that'll change that. Giving up something now for something better later is not a sacrifice, it's an investment. So what I need to understand is, yeah, I may be giving it up right now, but God is going to give it to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Oh, you got to give the Lord a better ovation than that. Because I may not have it right now, but when I get it, exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. That's what's coming into your life. That's what's coming into your life. So giving up something now for something better later, it's not a sacrifice. It's an investment in your spiritual, your financial, your physical, your family future. And then here we go. Generosity breeds obedience. Generosity breeds obedience. Out of a generous spirit, there's going to come an obedient spirit in your life and my life. Generosity breeds obedience. Hey, let me tell you something. Every act of obedience releases two things in your life and somebody else's life possibly. Every act of obedience releases the presence of God and the power of God. Every, it can, and you know what guys, it can be the biggest act of obedience that you could ever imagine. I mean, it could be one of those things that pastor talks about a lot that if God doesn't show up, it's not gonna happen. It could be one of those types of acts of obedience or it could be just a simple, act of faith. You get up tomorrow morning. Remember, I'm taking this from Sunday to Monday. You get up tomorrow morning and you're standing in your kitchen and God puts in your heart, call John. He needs encouragement. He's going through a hard time. And right away, your response is, man, when am I going to fit that into my day? How am I going to make that work in, into my clocks and my calendars that we're driven by? Call John. He needs a little encouragement. Call Susie. She's She's discouraged and you just need to pray over. 
And then that simple act of obedience, you pick up the phones. Hey, John, just wanted to love on you, man. Hey, Susie, just wanted to encourage you. You know what you just did? You just released God's presence and God's power into their lives. A simple act of obedience releases presence and power into their life. And it can be really big or it can be really small, but here's what you got to get. In the same way, in a way of obedience to that simple voice of God, in the same way, watch this now, let your life shine, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Simple act of obedience through faith releases God's presence and God's power into somebody else's life. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about wetting the appetite of culture for them to know more of Jesus. It's about wetting the appetite of those people that you work with to be able to see that you are glorifying your God, which is in heaven. So in that same fashion, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now, let me come back to something because I said this a second ago and I'm almost done. We, we get that prompting of Holy Spirit. This is what I want you to do. Give John a phone call. Give Susan a phone call. And as I said a minute ago, the first thing that jumps into my mind is, when am I going to do that? How in the world am I going to fit that into my clock? How am I going to fit that into my cal calendar? God, God must not know everything I've got going today. <laughs> he must not know how busy I am today, or he would have asked me that on Friday. And so we find ourselves kind of wrestling back and forth. I, I want to be faithful. I want to be obedient. But how am I going to fit that into my calendar? How am I going to fit that into my schedule? Here we go right here. When I place my discontented attitude on the altar of gratitude, I develop a contented heart that captivates culture. I develop a, a contented heart that glorifies my Father, which is in heaven. Ain't about me, guys. Ain't about you. It's about us operating in a simple mode of obedience that glorifies Jesus. So I've got to place that so far theology. I got to place that maybe so theology, that hope so theology on the altar of gratitude and let God do in me and through you everything he desires to do to whet the appetite of culture for people that need Jesus, man. They need Jesus. And you know what? When they see that spirit of contentment flowing out of you, kind of messes with their brain a little bit. Kind of messes with their head a little bit. Why does it mess with their head a little bit? It is completely opposite of the dog-eat-dog -dog world that we live in. It is completely opposite of the rat race that we're driven by. And so when I slow down my calendar, and I slow down my clock, and I take the time to place that, that discontented attitude on the altar of gratitude, I whet the appetite of people that I'm around for them to know more about Jesus. Just got to slow down a little bit sometimes, guys. Just got to slow down. 
and let the compassion of God flow out of you because everything is okay, period. Not so far, not maybe, period. Let me ask you a question, and this time I'm going to ask one question, and I really am done, I promise. How do I balance? How do I balance wanting the more of God and a spirit of contentment? Now think about what I just said, because there's nothing wrong with more. There's nothing wrong with desiring more. There's nothing wrong with wanting more. As long as it's kept in its proper place, there's nothing wrong with wanting the more, especially more of God's presence, more of God's power, more of God's provision. There's nothing wrong with that. So how do I balance those two things and make them come together? Well, Paul gave us instruction concerning that in Philippians chapter four. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Watch this. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything. I have learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with life as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. There's the balance for the wanting more and being content. My identity is not what I have. My identity is not what I possess. My identity is not what I can get. My identity is Jesus Christ. And as long as, long as I pursue him, Jesus promised you this. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. There's the balance of wanting the more and living in a spirit of contentment. Bow your heads with me. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these wonderful people today. Father, I thank you for the goodness of God that's so abundant in our lives. Father, I thank you that we do have the more of God. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going to receive the more of God. Because again, Father, we've said it a couple of times. I'll say it one more time. Your promise to us is exceeding abundance. It comes in the right timing and it comes in the right way. But your promise to us is exceeding abundance. And so, Father, in Jesus' name right now, I just pray over the people of God. Those that are struggling, struggling in that, with that spirit of discontentment. They, they, they love God. They're following Jesus. But there's, they just need that prophetic touch of a satisfaction in their soul. A promise, an understanding, an encouragement from you, Lord, to say to them, it's not a so far. It's an always will be because I am the God of your life. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over those that may be here that they've had that so far mentality. And there's, there's a fear mindset. Wonder what tomorrow holds. There's a concern mindset. I wonder what tomorrow might look like. And what it's done is it's disrupted the spirit of contentment that you've encouraged them to walk in. So I pray over them right now in Jesus' name that you will give them that satisfying wave in their spirit that regardless of what they face, regardless of the circumstances, it is not a so far day 
It is an ever-will-be-done day because of your mighty power. If you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, I just want to pray over you. I want to encourage you and just let you know that, thank God, it's, it's not a hope-so mentality. It is written from the foundations of the world that God's going to watch over you and take care of you. And so if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Ron, I'm wrestling with that, man. There's just, a, there's just a rumbling in my spirit, a worrisome in my spirit. There's a nervousness in my spirit. There is a so far theology in my spirit. And I just want that settling that you have declared over us. And so in receiving that, I want you to pray that I will receive that, that settling in my spirit, that what takes over that, that, that uneasiness is the calming power of the presence of God. So pray over me right now and just declare God to be life to me and that discontentment to be broken in Jesus' name. I want to pray over you. If you need that, put your hand up right where you are. Yes, yes. Hold up there for just a second. Yes, 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 yes. You can put it down. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can have that promise that there, there is that rest, that Sabbath rest of God that's ours by your awesome power. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that we have that, that understanding that you are my Jehovah God. Your banner over me is love, and you're out ahead of me everywhere I'm going to go. So it's not a wondering of what's going to happen because you're already there. And though I may walk in crazy circumstances, I can rest in you today, God, because you are already ahead of me, taking care of everything I will walk through so I can possess that rest of the Lord. Father, I pray over these that raise their hands. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, I just declare over them. I just declare over them. If you raise your hands, put it up one more time. If you, I just declare over you. Just hold it there for just a second. Nobody's looking around. If you raise your hand, just put it up there for just a second. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak rest over you. I declare peace over you. I declare just the comfort of Yahweh over you. I declare for you to have that settling in your spirit right now in Jesus' name. That, that, that uneasiness is broken right now in Jesus' name. And what's overtaking you in the name of the Lord is just that rest of God. There is that calming satisfaction that God's in control. That calming satisfaction that God's in control. And that's what's coming into your heart right now in Jesus' name. Now, as we give the Lord a big ovation of praise, just say thank you, God, and, re and rejoice and receive it in the name of the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a big ovation of praise today. Amen. Amen, amen. Love you guys. Happy New Year. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.